Genesis chapter number 25, begin reading at verse number 27. I will be reading from the New King James Version. Typically, I read from the New King James Version. Oh, look at that, people standing. Why don't we all stand? Yeah, it looks good. Got this side standing, this side's like, I don't know if I should or... Yeah, let's all stand for the reading of the Word of the Lord. Genesis chapter number 25, verse number 27. Speaking of Esau and Jacob, so the boys grew. And Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a mild man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. He enjoyed, he enjoyed that hunter that was his son and what he brought home to eat. But Rebekah loved Jacob. Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, Sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, Look, I am about to die. So what is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, Swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose and went his way. Then Esau despised his birthright. We're going to talk just for a few minutes today. Today, I'm, it's, it's going to be interesting. I have two titles today. I have two titles. Whenever, whenever I get up to preach, whenever anyone gets up to preach before a congregation, we understand that we're preaching to more, we're speaking to more than just one listener. We're speaking to a wide variety of, uh, of listeners, of people who understand different levels of the Bible. Some people may have never heard this story before. Many of you have probably heard this many, many times. And understanding that, I'm going to have two titles today, and I want you to decide who you are in this story. So to you, to one of you, to several of you, this title, What Are You Hungry For? I want you to think about. And to some others, I want you to think about this title, The Significance of Starving. I want you to decide if you are on Team What Are You Hungry For or Team Significance of Starving. And maybe, you're, maybe you're on both sides there. Decide for yourself there, but why don't you set your Bible down I believe the Lord wants to speak to us today. I believe the Lord wants to speak to us. And I spoke, I said just a few minutes ago, it's, uh, we need to challenge ourselves. We need to allow ourselves to be challenged. And this is going to be one of those uh, messages that I believe it could be challenging in a very, very good and positive way. So why don't you set your Bibles down, lift your hands and begin to speak to him. Lord, we love you today. We thank you for this opportunity. We thank you, God, for allowing us to come in. Everything's a little bit different today. It's a, it's a little bit laid back and casual, and that's okay, Lord. But what we really are interested in is, in you, is that you prepare our hearts for the receiving of the Word of God. We ask, Lord, that your Word would go forth uh, uninhibited, that the Word of God would go and do what you will it to do in me. Somebody say, in me. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray and let the church said, Amen. All right, you may be seated. Very interesting story. As I said a moment ago, some of you, many of you have probably heard this story many times. Some of you, maybe you've never heard it. But this is a very interesting story uh, in the selling of a birthright, a selling of a position. The thing that we must remember about this story is this was a legal transaction. For whatever you've read, for whatever you've thought you've understood about this, uh, for whatever you've, you've thought about Jacob and his trickery or whatever, remember this was a legal transaction. 
It was an exchange of goods that was right. It was right. Sure, it was uneven. It was an uneven trade. Yes, it was definitely an an uneven trade. It was a shrewd business move by Jacob. Very shrewd. It was sometimes whenever it's that uneven, you, you you can say that somebody really got the better end of this bargain. And, uh, but nevertheless, it was a legal transaction. It was a legal transaction of wealth, position, and favor for a bowl of beans and some bread. Sounds very uneven. Sounds very, very unfair. Uh, and of course, in our victim status culture, Jacob is the bad guy. Jacob is the bad guy because he came out on the better end of that bargain. He came out very unbalanced. He came out very, very, very much ahead of the curve here. And in our victim status, it's easy for us to look at this as, well, Jacob, he did some trickery here. He didn't do any tricking. It was a legal transaction. I will give you this for this. There was no trickery. There was no trickery involved at all. But for some reason, we look at this and we see that Jacob was the bad guy. And I'm going to be preaching other messages in the future that are going to challenge our understanding of this character, Jacob. Uh, Verse number 34, And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Now look how casual Esau is in this process. Now we've, in our, like, as I said, in our victim mentality, as a, we want to we we paint Jacob as a bad guy here, but why don't you look how casual Esau is here on such a significant transaction. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. He fulfilled his end of the bargain. And... and Esau ate and drank, arose, and went on his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Actually, what it means there, in this way, Esau neglected his birthright. Very interesting here how casual at the end of this story Esau very seems. uh, Esau seems so very casual here, seems so very, it seems disjointed. It seems a little strange, especially whenever we look a little closer at Esau and his mindset in the early part of this scripture, in the, other, in the early part of this story. Now Jacob cooked a stew and Esau came in from the field and he was Weary, right there. He came in and it says that he was tired, he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with that same red stew for I am weary. He says it again here. The, the, the text of the story suggests it and then here we have a quotation from him himself. I, I am tired, I'm weary. Uh, and Jacob says, okay, I've got, a, I've got something that I can do here. I've got, I, I, I'm, I'm a shrewd person. I think I can get something for a little bit right here. So he goes for, he goes for the gold. He goes for everything. I'm, I'm going for broke here. I'm going to try to get as much as I can. So Jacob says, all right, sell me your birthright. Sell me your position. Sell me your future. Esau says... Look, I'm about to die. So what is this birthright to me? Now that's, that's very interesting. What a drastic escalation in context here. You have Esau saying, I'm tired, I'm weary, I'm a little hungry. I'm a little hungry. I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I'm, um, that, that sure does smell good what you're cooking. And, and as I said, Jacob goes for broke and he's like, I'm going to try to get as much as I can here. Sell me your birthright. Then all of a sudden, Esau goes from being a little bit hungry, a little tired to, I'm starving to death. Now, how can you go from being a little tired, a little weary, to starving to death 
in just a few seconds, in just a few sentences, in just a, a very short period of time. Now, I have a, I have a healthy appetite. I'm a, I'm a big eater. Any of you that have ever had me over to your house to eat, you know that I can go through a plate or two or three very easily. I'm a healthy eater and, and I come in usually and old happy smiley Joel at first whenever we invite him in, he's not as talkative as he was. He doesn't seem because I'm a little hungry, I'm a little weary. But not one time I've ever, ever gone whenever I've been smelling that wonderful lasagna. I mean, smelling those stuffed jalapenos. Have I ever said, I'm tired and I'm hungry too. I'm starving to death. I've got to have something now. And I'm willing to throw away my entire future just to get a taste of something. I've never been there and I have a healthy appetite. So it's a little strange for me to read this story and to understand how all of the sudden Esau can go from I'm a little hungry to I'm starving to death. What a drastic escalation verse number 27 says that here's the thing that I really whenever I read this story I love layers I love layers of the word of God and I love the context and the subcontext and how it applies and I love asking questions and uh, here's what we really need to wonder about in verse number 27 it says that Esau was a skillful hunter It starts right off the bat saying that Esau was a skillful hunter. In other words, he was an expert hunter. So if you're like me at all, and I'm hoping that I can kind of shed some of my inquisitive nature to this church body whenever you read scripture to ask questions... Why was he hungry? Why is a skilled hunter, an expert hunter, ever hungry? Certainly, why would he be hungry to the point of being weary? But (laughs) really, I, I, I really have to ask the question. Why was this expert hunter starving to death? Why was this expert, skilled hunter to the point in his mind saying, I'm willing to throw away everything, I'm willing to sell everything that makes me who I am and makes my future what it can be. I'm willing to give all of that away because in my mind right now, I'm starving to death. Why was the skilled expert hunter hungry? The mindset, the focus of Esau is very sobering for us to recognize and to realize today. Your perception of your reality can alter everything about your present and certainly about your future. I want you to understand if left unchecked, The hunger, the natural desire of the carnal man will quickly diminish the hunger for the eternal. If left unchecked, the natural desires of your flesh to feed the desires and the lusts of this flesh, if left unchecked, It'll quickly diminish whatever shred of hunger you have for anything spiritual and anything for the future. The Bible says that Esau, whenever he came to himself later, whenever he realized what he had done, whenever he realized that he allowed his mindset to get to a bad place, whenever he realized that he had just thrown away everything, he went to his father who had all authority to reverse this transaction. He begged with tears. He begged with tears. 
give it back to me. I, I made a bad decision in the heat of the moment, in the moment whenever I thought that I was not only just weary and tired, but starving to death. I, I realized I made a decision. I, I'm begging you, Dad. I'm begging you, Isaac. Give me back what was rightfully mine. But Isaac said, sorry, sorry, son, sorry. You missed it. You missed it, buddy. You missed it. That was your chance. That was your opportunity to understand something about your current uh, predicament and, uh, of course, your future. You needed to be very aware of what lust and what desire and what hunger for the natural can do to you. The Bible says in Matthew 5 and 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Not not just for the things of the flesh, not just for the things of the world, not just for the things of the natural, but for the things of God, for the things that are spiritual, that are the things that are eternal. I'm hungry. I'm hungry for the things of God. I, I, I said that hoping for a resounding, Amen. I'm, maybe if I said, I'm because it usually gets a laugh, I'm hungry for some cheesecake. Woohoo! Come on, somebody. Mm, yeah, the church starts to feel that little Holy Ghost jerk right there. Woo! <laughs> Come on, somebody. I'm ready for some cheesecake. But you say, I'm hungry for the things of God, and everybody just stares back at you. Well, duh. You're the pastor. You're supposed to be hungry for the things of God. But are you hungry for the things of God? Are you hunger? Are you hungry? Are you hungering? Are you thirsty for the things of God, for His righteousness, for His principles and precepts and concepts and understanding who He is on a greater scale and, and understanding that once you start down that path of of Him revealing Himself to you, that it is completely inexhaustible. There's no way that you can ever get to fulfillment and fullness because once you dive in, it just keeps going and going. So I'm hungry for the things of God, but more importantly, I'm more than just hungry for the things of God. I want to be starving for the things of God. I want to go from being a little tired and a little weary and a little hungry and a little, yeah, the things of God, that's just, that's something that I want. I want to be like Esau was, but in reverse, but in flip. I want to go from quickly in my mind, in my perception, I'm hungry for the things of God, to know I'm more than just hungry. I'm more than just wanting some of it. I'm starving for the things of God. And whenever I get a little taste of it, I want to, I want to let that hunger to, be, to begin to build just a little more. I want to go from being hungry to, I'm starving. I need it. I need more. And yes, I'm willing to sell my birthright for it. Well, which birthright are you talking about? I'm talking about that birthright of death and destruction that was passed down to each and every one of us from Adam. You have a birthright of death and decay and destruction. And you have the opportunity today to sell that birthright if you just allow your mind to get to a place that says, I'm not only hungry for the things of God, I'm starving for the things of God. And I'm willing to throw away all of that desire for the natural and the carnal. All of that birthright from Adam. I'm willing to, I'm willing to sell all of that. Because I'm starving for the things of God. 
I want to sell my birthright that says that you can, you can live in a place of, 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 of destruction. Of, you can live in a place of oppression. You can live in a, in a place and be content with that every single day of your life. I'm not willing to stay there anymore because I understand if I'm hungry for the things of God, if I'm starving for the things of God, He says, I will be more than happy to fill you, to let you have it. But as with any infinite God, there is no exhausting His resources. There is not enough that we can get because I understand once I go down that path, once I get a taste of Him, once I get a knowledge of Him, I'm going to want more. I'm going to want more. I'm going to want another touch. I'm going to want another fix. As it were. I want to sell my birthright. I want to sell. I want to. I want to understand the the mindset of this skilled hunter. I'm skilled in the flesh. I want you to understand something. You you may not realize it, but you're very skilled in the flesh. You're very skilled in hunting out and searching out what it is that will scratch your carnal itch. I'm very skilled. I'm just like Esau was. I'm a skilled hunter and figuring out what it is that this flesh wants. But I need to understand something. I need to flip my mind just around, just around just a little bit and say I'm hungry for the things of God. I'm, I'm starving for the things of God. And I need to sell that I need to sell my birthright carnality there's a law of generations whether it's nations whether it's church whatever a movement we're talking about. There's a law of generations. The law of generations says this. It's the first generation that is the, the convert generation. It is the sold out generation. It is the generation that says, I love this movement so much that I'm willing to sell all, to give all, to sacrifice all, to establish this movement. It goes across the board, whether it's a, a, a nation being birthed, whether it, whatever it is. But specifically, church-related and spiritually related, there's a law. Of the first generation is the ger- generation that says, this is a great movement. This is a great thing. Let's make sure this is established and we sacrifice to establish it. But then beyond that comes the second generation. The second generation that comes along is a a decent generation in that the second generation says, this was a great thing that my parents, that the previous generation established. This was a great thing that the previous generation set up and I think I will take on the responsibility of maintaining this and making sure that it doesn't disappear off the face of the earth. I'm going to do my part in making sure that we maintain this. We're in maintenance mode in second generation. We're going to make sure that I recognize the good, but I don't understand the, I don't understand the connection completely that the first generation had in the relationship, but I do understand its value and I'm going to make sure that we maintain this movement. But it's the third generation and the fourth generation that comes along. And they're the generations that say, I don't know what all of that was about. It seems so old-fashioned and antiquated. It seems so ancient. It seems so... I, I don't know what... I don't think all of that is useful today. It's the third and fourth generation that doesn't realize what was established and what was, what was, uh, what was really moving in among the people of the day. And it's the third and fourth generation that says, what is all of this about? I, I think it's just time for me to do my own thing. You see that in 
church and you see that specific, of course you see it in the, the, the country, you see that in nations and you see that in America. You, ever so often you see generations come and go and you see patriotism rise and then patriotism fall and you see it just on and on and then within the church whenever you boil it down you see that uh, especially some of you probably are looking within yourself and saying okay that that sounds a lot like me that sounds a lot like my son or that sounds a lot like my parents one of those generations you will fall into but I want you to understand something today in the New Testament church. It's not enough for you to be just a second or third generation or fourth generation Pentecostal. I want you to understand something. This is, this is me coming at you now. I am a third generation Pentecostal. But it's not enough for me to be third generation Pentecostal. What's more important is for me to have an understanding that I must be if I want to have a relationship with God and I want to see the things of God that the ancient generations, that previous generations saw. I must be a first generation convert. I must be, I must be converted. I must, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that my grandfathers walked in this and saw incredible things. It doesn't matter that they did. If I just come along and I just walk in their testimony, then I don't have a relationship. I'm just trying to either maintain or I'm getting ready to throw it all away. That's the reason God says you need to hunger. You need to thirst. You need to starve for this. And you need to be converted just as your fathers were. I have to be converted. I have to understand. I have to understand. I can't just ride. We can, we can ride on that currency, especially, especially in Pentecost, in Christianity. We can ride on that currency of my, my dad did this or my grandfather did this or I have a name. And you've heard it before, even in the installation service just a few weeks ago. And I honor and I respect and I, and I revere uh, the previous generations. But what we must understand is we do not have a relationship with God that is passed down from someone else we have a relationship with God because we decided I want to have a relationship with you for myself I want to be a first generation convert I appreciate my parents I appreciate my grandparents I appreciate everyone that has come before but if you don't have a first generation convert mentality starving and hungry for the things of God then everything that we've seen built will fall away it will decay. It will age. The weeds will begin to grow. And the, and the world will begin to take it and consume it. I can feel the heaviness of the word. I can, you can feel the heaviness of the word. Because this is a call to action today for the, for the Lighthouse Church. It's a call to action today for Pastor Joel. It's a call to action for every single one of us. That we have to hunger and thirst. And have a desire to, uh, for the things of God. To the point of I'm starving for it. I'm starving for it. I want to see it. Want to see what? Want to see a church built? We already have a church built. We already have a building. We have a good, healthy group of people here today. But that's not enough. That's not what I'm talking about. I want to see people filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I want to see lives changed. I want to see miracles, signs, and wonders. Boy, what are, what are signs and wonders? Wonder. Well, it makes you wonder. What is that? That's as simple as that. That's what the Hebrew says. In the Hebrew, wonders are, it makes you wonder. <laughs> it makes you wonder what just happened in this service. What just happened? I saw, I saw something happen. I saw a leg lengthened. I saw, I saw people healed. I saw, I saw blind eyes open. I saw incredible things of God. I saw the supernatural happen. I saw wondrous things. 
But third and fourth generation will never see it. It's only the first generation that will see it. It's only those that say, I want to have a first generation relationship with you that says, I'm hungry for, I'm hungry for you and I want to see it. Because it's whenever you hunger for it, that's whenever He says, okay, I'm going to fill you. It's, it's whenever you're hungry to see it, whenever you want to see it, He's going to say, okay, I will fill the house with it. I spoke about me being third generation as if it's some sort of badge of honor. It's really not. Anytime you hear that in Christianity or in Pentecost, you need to understand also it's not quite the badge of honor that we act like it is because with it becomes com- uh, comes complacency, much complacency. With it comes great burden in that many of the third and fourth generation people have let it all go, have forgotten everything about it, have just released it and let it go. It's some old-fashioned thing that was great for the mid-20th century, but it's not for the 21st century. But I want you to understand something. It's not a badge of honor to say that I'm third generation exclusively. It's more of a badge of honor to say I came in third generation. But whenever I had a relation, whenever I had an experience with this living God, I couldn't help but become first generation. I couldn't help but say I've got a I've got an experience in you that even my grandfathers didn't have oh Jesus God help us today help us today I've been thinking about it. I've been thinking about it so very much since we buried my grandmother. And we've talked the past couple of weeks about her decision. Her decision so long ago. Looking at the newspaper. Looking at that newspaper article article whenever my, my dad was just a small boy and his twin brother. They were just small boys. And she looked at that newspaper article and said, There's a tent revival on Broadway in Johnson City, Tennessee. Why don't we just go see what it's all about? My dad preached about it just a couple of weeks ago and that's a wonderful experience but if it's my grandmother if it's my grandparents that are just going to see what it's all about then they're the only ones that will see what it's all about what if it's Joel that says I want to see what this is all about I appreciate that they saw what it was all about but it's time for me to see what it's all about it's time for me to see what it's all. It's time for me, time for me to see what this is all about. My grandmother went on to be with the Lord just a couple of weeks ago, went on, passed away. But it was my grandfather, her husband, Frank Carver, who, uh, who passed away in 2012 my my papa as we called him he it was it was he who whenever they first came in and they 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 responded to that newspaper article about the tent revival and said let's go see what it's all about where something started to happen in his body that wasn't very positive it was it was he who was diagnosed with chronic emphysema with no chance of survival after they went to see what it was all about. My dad and his twin brother are just young boys. Young boys. And it was my grandfather who started wasting away with chronic emphysema. Smoked his way through World War II just like so many did. All of a sudden it's caught up with him now. Quickly and he's, he's dying right there after they went to see what it was all about. Oh, God, we're responding to you. Why are you allowing this to happen? Well, it just so happens I'm allowing it to happen because I want you to have a first generation conversion experience where you can see what I can truly do. And they begin to pray. He's wasting away down to about 100 pounds and he's just this frail man dying with emphysema. And all of a sudden the Spirit of the Lord moves upon him and heals him. He begins to gain weight. What is this all about? I, I thought I was dying, but all of a sudden I'm gaining weight. I go to the doctor. I go to the VA. And they say, well, your lungs are completely clear. And all of a sudden he just begins to flourish and grow. And my dad continues to grow into adulthood. 
If that experience hadn't happened with that first generation right there, I probably wouldn't be here today because who knows where my dad's life would have gone from there, would have never probably met my mom and so on, and I wouldn't be here today. That's Frank Carver. That's my grandfather on my dad's side. But let me tell you also about another grandfather, my, my mom's dad, Don Isaacs. He, he, was a, he was a wonderful, wonderful man. I called him Paul. He, I used to spend summers with him at his house and used to work with him and do different things and had so much fun. Well, well his first generation experience was something very significant as well. Whenever he came in, whenever he came in, he didn't have an experience right off the bat in a healthy position. He had an experience that he had tuberculosis. He was dying and he needed to find answers for his dying condition. And if you know anything about tuberculosis back in the 40s, back in the 40s, tuberculosis, you know that it was a very, very serious, very serious condition. It was long before he married my grandmother and my mom was born. And he's going before the judge at the time and they wanted to remove people with tuberculosis from society. They need to send them to these concentration camps, so to speak, and just remove them entirely. He said, no, I'm going to resist that. I need to try to find healing. I don't want to just go away and die. So he, he searched. He began to look. And he began to look for a, a, a spirit-filled church that, that believes in prayer. And he found one in Newland, North Carolina. And he walked in and he said, I need prayer. He said, well, uh, the pastor James Cornell said you do need prayer, you need healing but what you need more than that is you need to repent of your sins and you need to be baptized in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ and you need to be filled with His Spirit He said I've never heard of this before but I think I want to partake of this. So they went out in the, uh, in the mountains of North Carolina in the winter and began to bust up some ice on the river and begin to baptize Him in the wonderful name of Jesus. They said you've got tuberculosis, you're going to die. This is crazy why are you doing this? He said, because I need answers and I believe that this God can heal me and if He doesn't heal me, I want Him to at least save me. So he went down in the wonderful name of Jesus. He was filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues and all of a sudden, wouldn't you know it, he began to gain weight. Began to gain weight out of nowhere. All of a sudden, he begins to gain weight. And he goes back to the doctor. And all of a sudden, well, guess what? Your lungs are clear. Uh, guess what? You, there doesn't seem to be. His mother and father and sister had already died of tuberculosis. Would you have faith in those odds? Would you have faith that God could heal you whenever your half of your family has already died from this disease that you now have? Well, he just happened to have a little faith. And it was this God who said, You're first generation. You're hungry for me. You want something from me. And I'm going to fill you. And I'm here today because of that first generation experience. But I could walk in and say, bless God, I'm third generation. I've got grandparents on both sides that walked in truth and they had an experience and they had, they had a, a miraculous move of God in their life. And I could walk with that and I could, I, could, I could talk with and I could just move with that. Or I could say, that was wonderful. Thank you for using that to get me here today. But it's time that I have a walk with God. It's time that I have a, 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 an experience, a first generation experience. It's whenever you have a first generation experience. It's whenever you, whenever you say, I'm hungry for the things of God. I'm hungry for righteousness. I'm hungry for you to fill me. That He will fill you. It's whenever this church, the Apostolic Lighthouse says, I appreciate what the previous generations have done. I appreciate that we were established in the 60s. I appreciate those, those lean years of the 70s and 80s. And I appreciate those 
those revival years of the 90's and I appreciate the unprecedented growth and the building being brought up out of the, out of the ground here this wonderful building into Wajak in the early 2000's I appreciate all that but it's in 2023 whenever I'm looking out at a group of people a group of faithful people that, that are saying back I want more than just for their experience to carry us forward because it won't carry us forward many of those have died and gone on and I thank them for their sacrifice but it's up to you each and every one of you today on a pew in 2023 are we going to have a first generation experience are we going to walk into the future on fire and hungry for God or are we just going to look back at our grandfathers and say it was for them and let's just maintain this I love the brick. I love the carpet. I love this building. But I don't want to just maintain this building. I don't want to just come in and throw a fresh coat of paint on the wall and just say, let's maintain this. I want to use every square inch of this church, of this facility, to reach someone, to convert someone, to call someone to have an experience in God. Dewajak is hungry. Niles is hungry. This area is hungry for the things of God and they may not even realize it yet. So let's use every inch of this building not as a monument to the past but as an opportunity to reach somebody for the future. So the two titles that are up on the screen right now, I want you to ask yourself, what are you hungry for? If you've already answered that, well, I'm hungry for the things of God. I want you to go to the next title now. You've already responded. You've already I'm, I'm hungry. What am I hungry for? I'm hungry for the things of God. I'm hungry for the kingdom of God. I'm hungry for a knowledge in Him. Let's go to the next one now and let's examine the significance of letting that hunger take us to a place of starving. Because if you allow your mindset in the spirit to begin to starve for the things of God, you're going to sell the birthright from the enemy. Your natural man that says it's all about just lust, sensuality, and what our carnal man wants as we all stand. I'm hungry for the things of God. I, I see some people that are hungry for the things of God. I see some older people that are hungry for the things. Of, I see some younger people that are hungry for the things of God. We just need to make sure that the mindset is right. If you're not hungry for the things of God, get hungry for the things of God. Figure out how to transform that hunger and that desire for the natural into a hunger and a desire for the spiritual. And if you're hungry for the things of God, transform that mindset just like Esau did so quickly. I'm hungry and weary? No, I'm starving. He just walked in. He walked in out of the field. What was that skillful hunter hungry for? But he was hungry for some reason. He was hungry. Maybe it's because he was neglecting. Maybe it was because he wasn't doing. Or maybe it was because the incense in the air said, mm, that smells good and that's altering the way I think right now. 
the incense in the sanctuary of the living God right now. The incense by coming in to the house of God and coming together whenever you begin to hunger for Him. If you can, if, if the seasoned saints of God can begin to work up a, a, a worship to Him that can create a, a, a fragrance in the air that can cause someone to say, mm, that smells good. I think I'm hungry for that. I think I'm a little tired of where I came from. I think I'm hungry for this. No, better yet, it's getting so intense now in here. I think I'm starving for this. And I think I can't help but get myself to an altar and throw up my hands and allow myself to be filled. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. The, de- the dedication of all of those that came before us, they didn't dedicate their their labor and their walk with God. They didn't dedicate that to the kingdom just so that we could come along and maintain it or just so we could come along and change it and dismantle it completely. They labored and they dedicated so that we would labor and dedicate so that we could have a first generation experience so we could not just go from Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and the God of Abraham he became the God of Isaac and then he went from there to becoming the God of Jacob he wrestled with him just as we are that's for that's for Pastor Helmuth. That's for somebody else. That's for his dad even. That's for Casey. That's for, that's for Austin. That's for all the pastors that came before. No, no. It's for all of us to hunger today for. There's a confirmation in the spirit right now. I can feel from words that were spoken before to what God is speaking right now. There's a confirmation in the spirit right now. There is an open door to the future that is full of revival and full of exponential growth. Not just for the sake of numbers being heaped up and and, and filling pews, because people are having an experience and developing relationships with God. That's what we're after and there's an open door right now. There is a window of opportunity that He's provided for this church. We can sense it. The prayer warriors are becoming alive. The prayer, the seasoned saints of this church are beginning to shift. And the dry bones are coming back to life. And we're saying, something is in the future. I don't know what it is, but something is in the future. And I'm starting to get hungry again. I'm starting to get thirsty. No, I'm starting to starve for this again. Are you hungry? Are you hungry for the things of God? Are you hungry for signs and wonders? Are you hungry? Are you hungry to see something in this building happen to someone that's never experienced a a move of God before? Are you hungry to see a move of God upon somebody that's been cold on God and hasn't had an experience in God in some time? Are you hungry to see the prodigals return? Those that have been living a prodigal lifestyle for way too long that all of the sudden are starting to come to them themselves and they're starting to look back to this building hoping that there is a family and a church inside that's hungry for the things of God what good is it to return to an empty building with people who aren't hungry they can find that anywhere they can they can scratch that nostalgic itch just for a moment and then they can move on or they can walk into this building and find a group of people that are hungry for the things of God that are starving for the things of God that are willing to lay down their lives just like first generations do
willing to sacrifice my wealth, my riches, and my treasure. I'm willing to sacrifice my life for you. To have an experience in you. Somebody else did. Somebody else can. Or we can change our perception and say, I am hungry. No, I'm starving. I'm starving. Why don't we begin to lift our hands and begin to speak to Him right now? God, I ask in the name of Jesus Christ that you would fill us with a hunger, a thirst, and a mindset shift that would alter our course and our trajectory. Help us to understand, Lord, that this window of opportunity, this window that you are opening right before us, and that we in the Spirit are beginning to sense and recognize. Help us, Lord, to not take it, take it for granted and disregard it. And the window shuts. And we never see what you said we would see. Help us, Lord, in the name of your, in the name of Jesus Christ, to understand the importance of prayer and consecration and dedication to you. Help us, Lord, to understand. I, I, I want to come to the house of God whenever the doors are open for prayer. I want to come and pray. And, but beyond that, I don't want to just come here and pray. I want to pray at home. I want to pray at home whenever I can freely go into your presence anytime. And I don't have to wait for Monday night, 7 o'clock. I don't have to wait for, for 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. I don't have to wait. I can pray. I can seek the face of God. I can hunger for you. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray. We will hear, and He will heal. This altar is open. Feel free to come. Feel free to come and rededicate your lives to Him. If you're here for the first time today, and this is... This is unique and you're, you've never experienced this before. I, I don't want you to be scared and please don't feel like that the, the, the intensity of my work today is any way to scare you from the presence of God. It is an urgency to usher us into the presence of God, to help us to understand this is for us. This is for you. This is for your children. This is for all that the Lord our God shall call. He wants to have a relationship with us.